Hi, I'm Keshav Naidu and this is Talk to the Brand. Together, we bring you inspiring stories from the world of brand building. Today, we have John Tangaraj. John is National Planning and Strategic Head for FCB Ulka. In a career spanning over 18 years, John has worked across multiple categories on a diverse host of blue chip brands such as GSK, Pepsi, Adidas, Bacardi, Yum, Hindustan Times, LG, Vistara, Whirlpool, Domino's, Hero and Nat Geo. And that's just to name a few. Having won multiple strategic awards over the years, John is also on the grand jury for both the Warp Prize for Asian Strategy and the AME Asia Pacific Awards this year. Welcome John to talk to the brand. It's great having you on the show. Thanks for having me. So John tell us like how did you you have a history you're a history major. You studied history at Stephens and and then you got a couple of masters degrees in business and communications. Sure. What what took you from history to advertising? So so I think the 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 first question should be what does one really do with a history degree in the first place? Uh which is uh short of being an academic uh, not much is the answer so the honest truth is uh, i've always kind of wanted to be in advertising i remember when my when i was in college in fact uh, my dad used to bring home copies of brand equity i mean he used to bring home uh, the economic times every day the only day i was ever interested in it was wednesdays when brand equity appeared and uh, i used to see pictures of the erstwhile stalwarts of advertising back in the 90s you know the mike khanna's and Uh, Ranjan Kapoor's and all these guys, and I used to be like, it would be so cool if if I made it to a brand equity one day. I had no idea how, so I finished my history degree. Uh, I started off, in fact, wanting to be a creative because I had no idea what strategy and planning was. So I actually gave a copy test for contract shortly after I graduated from uh, from Stephens, uh, and. Uh, Clearly, I wasn't very good because they never got back. No, I think it was a lot of people knocking on the doors, and those are the glory days where there was Possibly. just immense talent, you yeah, know, I'm, both inside and outside. And back then, advertising was cool, right? I'm I'm not sure if advertising, unfortunately, still ranks very high on a list of cool careers for exactly. young people anymore. Exactly. But, uh, back in the late '90s, it it certainly was. Yeah. Uh, so I obviously didn't get that. and uh then i decided to uh basically my father decided that i needed to give the cat and do something with my life so i gave the cat on the assumption on the hope rather that i would get into myca uh i was the number 4 guy on the waiting list for myca the number 3 guy got in uh the number 3 guy is actually the the md of ddb mudra now and also oh wow friend. that's that's crazy how you know how you know like who the person was and where they yeah, went in their careers Yeah 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 because we were both in college together and uh, we both gave the exam together he was number 3 i was number 4 uh he made it and i didn't make it in so i always i still blame him for scuppering my advertising career at that point so then i basically did my mba and graduated at 911 which was an amazing time to graduate if you just done a business degree so again the economy was in the toilet much like right now and uh so i did work for a few months in pr of all things and then i just kind of uh, you know figured that it would probably make more sense to do a bit more studying so i applied for a comms masters degree in australia to which i got a pretty decent scholarship so off i went to australia for another nice. year and a half and uh at which point my dad said i'm done paying <laughs> for your education get a job now 
So then I decided that I was finally forced to start working. So I started my actual career the way I, at least what I consider actual in uh, market research of all, of all things. So I spent two or three of my foundational years doing focus groups all over India, small towns, some villages as well, in fact. And that gave me That's a fantastic rich experience for advertising. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nothing can beat that. So a lot of people say that in marketing, you need to start off in sales. So all the, the Unilever guys, for example, all start off in sales. And I always like to think that if you want to work in strategy and planning, uh, the best thing to start your career with is consumer Beautiful. research. You get a really rich grounding. Yeah. So I actually started in research and uh, did that for a few years. And yeah, and I guess the, the natural progression from research to advertising is planning. And then I started my career as a planner at Rediffusion. My first planning boss at uh, Rediff was a gentleman named Arvind Mohan. And uh, he he's probably one of the best strategic thinkers I've ever had the privilege to work with. So a lot of my foundational thinking in planning and strategy was uh, basically shaped by him. Uh, of course, it's been many, many years since we've worked together. So over the years, I've, I'd like to think I've developed my own voice and my own way of approaching problems. But uh, yeah, Arvind's is fantastic. He was one of the primary reasons I moved into planning. Right. So how, how has your journey been from Rediffusion to heading, being the national head of planning and strategy at Ulka? Or, or rather, let me rephrase it because that's a, that's a very straightforward question. Let me make it more interesting. How different is your day at work today? So I have to say, uh, for me personally, not that different. And the reason for that is that uh, fundamentally what I enjoy more than anything else is uh, going into a little corner and writing uh, and writing presentations. And I've, you know, over the years, I've become a bit of a PowerPoint geek. I love PowerPoint, which is a very uncool <laughs> thing to say, because PowerPoint is not a cool thing to like. like. But uh, I love PowerPoint, man. And I just feel that it's been given a bad rap uh, unnecessarily. Uh, it's it's a it's a really beautiful tool if you know how to use it, and I take a lot of joy in creating beautiful looking PowerPoint presentations. So while uh, I think long story short, I spend way more time writing presentations than I should, uh, and far less time uh, with my team than I should. I think I'm I'm at heart I'm I'm not an especially social person, so I take the most joy when I'm doing my own thing in my own little corner in my own cabin. But uh, obviously, uh, with the you know with the role comes the need to uh, mentor and develop the rest of the team. So I do I do that as well. But uh, I think the one thing I will say is that uh, I have tried to build a certain culture of planning at FCB, which uh, obviously back when I was a standalone planning resource, I didn't have the the, the pressure of doing that. So I have attempted to build a planning culture. I have attempted to build a certain way of approaching strategic problems. And uh, yeah, I have tried to ensure that uh, everyone just has a good time because, you know, it's advertising. It's not uh, the best paying field in the world. Uh, so it at least should be one of the more fun things you can do. Yeah. So I think fun is something which has always been really important to me. Uh, I, I don't like to say advertising should be your passion because... Uh, I feel it's really sad if your career is your passion. Uh, my passions are comic books and, you know, fitness, music, stuff like that. But I do think that uh, coming into work every day shouldn't be like pulling teeth. So I try my best to ensure yeah. that it's not. So what is, um, you know, every agency 
has a little bit of a i wouldn't say edge but a, but a, but an angle or a take on how they look at planning or how they look at strategic planning what would you say uh sure is what makes things different at olka or how you look at strategic planning so uh the thing to keep in mind is that uh olka has a very long very storied uh legacy of strategic planning so uh you know over the years there've been lots of really i mean the the four guys who were running the show pretty much for close to 25 to 30 years were all i am graduates all exceptionally strong strategic thinkers so ulka for many years had developed a reputation as a solid business strategy agency uh you know it it was almost like you know that old uh, uh, tata steel ad which said we almost we also make steel uh so ulka at that point of time was almost like a marketing consultancy which also made right. us right uh that that changed around 4 or 5 years ago when uh, rohit ori who is our current chairman took over uh and i think globally fcb as an agency has decided to pivot very strongly towards creative excellence and what we like to say now is that uh, creative creativity is not a department it's a culture so we encourage creative thinking across all functions and that kind of syncs really well with my own point of view about strategy and planning because while yes strategy's role is to solve fundamental business problems for one's clients uh what i absolutely detest is what i call naval gazing i guess naval gazing is a great uh, politically correct yeah. way of saying that do you commission studies uh, for understanding behavior outside of you know uh, client work yeah absolutely we do in fact it's it's really interesting that you ask that question because we are currently in the process of uh, a fairly uh, a fairly in-depth and large study uh, aiming to predict what the world post covid will really look like uh, everyone has done a lot of sentiment analysis regarding what the world is currently looking like all of us know what the world looks like now what we are attempting to do is really do a bit of crystal ball gazing and attempt to predict what the world will look like 6 months from now 1 year from now or 2 years from now uh through the lens of consumer behavior through the lens of different categories what will flying look like what will food and beverage look like what will manufacturing look like uh and we have a lot of really cool hypotheses i think a, a great one for example is uh, all of us know that the automobile sector has been struggling yeah. for the past few years in fact uh before the before the pandemic hit it was at its lowest uh, in many many decades and one of our hypotheses is that the uh, you know the the pandemic has shown has thrown the need for for personal space and we may see a lot of people who till now were very happy taking ubers and taking olas uh, and using ubers and olas as their primary means of transport we may see a lot of those people actually buying cars for themselves uh because there is a a large chunk of of young india today who believe that it's who used to believe rather that it's a bit wasteful and silly to buy a depreciating mm. asset like a car when you can just get an uber to go wherever you need to but uh one of our hypotheses we need to ratify it, of course is that we may see a huge surge in uh in the automobile category especially at the entry level as we get back to normalcy whenever that happens uh what what else did you what are your other uh, hypotheses 
So I think another hypothesis is that uh, India is going to move away from being human capital intensive. And uh, which is a fancy planning way of saying that we'll stop being so dependent on our mates and our boys. It's, it's, it's uh, such a euphemism. It's beautiful. Again, the, <laughs> yeah, man, it's just, it, it's all about the, the wordplay and sounding and making things sound needlessly profound. But no, so for example, uh, the United States is, or actually anywhere in the, in the West, is a, a highly automated culture because the strong culture of doing everything oneself so there are trash compactors at home, there are dishwashers at home. Uh, now, of course, we have, uh, you know, Roombas and, and robotic vacuum cleaners and stuff like that. Uh, I've lost, I, I, we luckily have uh, full-time live-in help because we have a dog. So we haven't really gotten shafted as badly as many other people have. But a lot of my friends and colleagues uh, start their day by doing jadu pocha, cooking, cleaning. And by the time they actually start work around half past 10 or 11, they're exhausted. So I think we're finally going to enter the automated world when it comes to maybe investing in dishwashers, vacuum cleaners, uh, using technology to perform tasks, which thus far we are very happy paying uh, Kambalis yeah. to do. So that's another big behavioral shift. Yeah, yeah because, because they're, they're going to figure out other career options. Yeah, sure. There's education, continuing education is going to be a big factor, I feel. That's my theory. Absolutely. I mean, because yeah. earlier, earlier a Kamali yeah. typically would get into the career for life, right? That may change, yeah. right? Now she can enter it at say 18 or 20 or whatever, do it for a couple of years and then progress, you know, work up, work her way up to retail or sure. to something else, you know, sure. uh, it need yeah. not be a stagnant career, uh, which might yeah. be a, a social thinking shift more than a individual shift. No, absolutely. And I think all of these will really happen at a societal level now. In the current situation, the current scenario, what do you think is a brand's best approach to staying top of mind with the consumer? So over the course of the past couple of months, I've written multiple presentations answering this exact question. So I'm going to give you the, the short version of that. Which is uh, fundamentally, I just, I just think brands need to be cognizant of three things. Uh, the first is utility. What consumers are really looking for now is a solution to their problems. And utility is a very hard, boring word, but uh, utility can be emotional utility as well. Uh, one of my favorite examples of a brand demonstrating emotional utility is Burger King. And uh, Burger King, I think it was in in France or one of the Western European countries, they actually released uh, they released the recipe to the Whopper and they taught people how to make quarantine Whoppers. How do you create a Burger King wow. Whopper at home using the stuff you have in your fridge? And for, you know, for a brand which has an iconic property like that to tell its consumers, we are, this is our gift to you. We are giving you our recipe so that you can create the magical Burger King in your home. That's what I mean by utility and people love them for that. So solving some problem in the consumer life, whether it's I don't know what to cook for my next meal, whether it's I'm feeling really lonely, whether it's uh, I don't have access to everyday essentials. So utility is one. Uh, I would say authenticity is another in terms of don't try to be something you're not as a brand. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the, the Coke film, which broke a couple of weeks ago. 
uh, it's basically uh, you know a, a 2020 covid yeah. version of the there are more reasons to believe yeah. in a in a happy world uh, and coke moved away from open happiness a few years ago uh, for some reason i don't know why but uh, every time you see a film like that it seems genuinely yeah. coke and coke is a brand which is about optimism which is about happiness which is about warmth people yeah. being nice to each other uh so it's great when a brand like coke does that but for every brand uh that is doing it authentically there are a few brands unfortunately which are attempting to get onto the emotional bandwagon if you know what i mean uh so the first was utility the second was authenticity and uh, i think the most important is the third which is sensitivity because for i think brands need to walk a very fine line between what is appropriate and what could come across as opportunistic or tone deaf mm. at this point of time this is the one time in the history of the world in the history of marketing at least i feel where brands should ideally put aside their own focus on purely the business and also be a little more altruistic and uh sensitivity is actually derived from authenticity and utility uh if you want authentic you will never come across as being sensitive right. you will always come across as being a little fake a little opportunistic so at a very macro level i'd say those are the three big things that uh, i think are important that's excellent that's real that's a really good reading and it's a very nice uh, it's very good advice yeah. thank you for sharing that if you were to give young brand managers or new brand managers or somebody who's building their own brand if you were to give them some advice what would it what would it be sure i think the basic the most important thing in an ideal world any brand manager should have regardless of what level they're at is bravery and uh, i just find a huge lack of courage and a huge lack of of a bravery and courage when it comes to most marketing managers these days and this is across brands across across categories and that's what leads to what i like to call uh invisible advertising hmm and what i find what i find really sad is that the world today is full of examples of brave brands doing brave things and being rewarded for doing so but uh unfortunately 9 and a half out of 10 of these examples are all in the west and it's not like we don't have access to them so what i find ironic is every year all of us with our clients sit and go through the can show reel and marvel at the great work that's been done around the world but then when it comes to doing something of the same level in india we're always very hesitant and we always ask ourselves will the consumer understand uh how can we do this this is not on brand etc cetera, etc cetera. and i just feel you know david ogilvy said this many 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 years ago uh he said the consumer is not a moron mm. she is your wife and i just feel that as an industry and as marketers we often give the consumer far far less credit than we should and consumers are not cretins waiting for us to explain things to them consumers yeah. understand things you know they're human beings with fully functioning brains like us so i think we often sell them short and when we sell our consumer short we sell ourselves short because we dumb down the advertising and we sanitize our, so sanitize is probably right wrong word to use right now <laughs> sanitizing things is great but we should never sanitize advertising we sanitize advertising we sanitize our messaging and we end up with something really insipid and dull sterile which most consumers which sterile exactly and i think advertising is one of the few things in the world which fundamentally if you if you speak to a person on the road no one likes advertising no one spends their life dreaming about advertising right 
people uh, people wake up in the morning saying awesome the the new season of that show I love on Netflix is is going to stream today or awesome today's a weekend I can have a drink no one wakes up saying awesome today I can watch a lot of advertising yeah advertising by definition is intrusive no one likes advertising it you know it it just comes in the way of of the content you want to watch it comes in the way of the experience you want to have so i think it is our responsibility as advertisers to make that intrusion as entertaining and as engaging and as interesting as we possibly can so that's what i would i would say just be cognizant of the fact that no one really loves advertising and if you want people to tolerate advertising then it's up to you to make it as entertaining useful make it worth their while exactly absolutely super that's great advice thank you for sharing that and thank you for being with us on the show today thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure having you on talk to the brand thank you thanks so much keshav this episode was recorded over the phone due to the nationwide lockdown we hope you're staying safe and making the most of your spare time do follow us on insta and facebook you will find the links in the show notes Music for the show is designed by Zico. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us on iTunes, Castbox, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also tell your friends who you might think enjoy our show. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.